Good morning. We are back. I am Pastor Tommy McMurtry of the Liberty Baptist Church. Thank you so much for tuning in today. Announcement I want to mention before we get started. This morning is the last time we will be on at 7.30. We have a brand new time coming up next week. We will be on at 9.30. And so hopefully that will work out better for everyone. You can sleep in a little longer and make sure you tune in at 9.30. We'll be on from 9.30 to 10 o'clock every week beginning next week. So don't forget about that. We appreciate you listening so much. I hope this has been a blessing to you. And we encourage you to be a part of this program by emailing us your questions. You can email them to us at libertybc2011 at att.net. And we will do our best to answer any of those questions. And in fact... Uh, Starting this week, I have a specific subject that I would like your questions on. And we are going to be dealing with the subject this morning that I I don't think we're going to be able to cover this all in one week. It's a very important subject, one that uh, can bring a lot of questions to a lot of people. And so rather than me trying to figure out and guess what your questions are, I would like to hear what they are from you. I would like for you to write to me about these things. And we're going to be talking about eternal security today. And that is something that many people struggle with. Many people uh, just have a hard time with believing that once somebody is saved, they are saved forever. It causes a lot of questions. And I want to try to answer those for you because I believe that if a person is truly saved, if they've been born again, that they are saved forever. And I know there's a lot of objections to that, but I want to I want to try to do my best to prove to you from the scriptures that that is the truth. And so whatever questions you have, I'm going to make a promise to you. If you will send those questions, okay, I will not answer them in a way that tries to act like, you know, you're ignorant or treat you like some heretic. I will be polite. I will answer those from the scriptures. And if I don't do that, you can call me a liar. But listen, I want you to do that. Send in any questions that you have about that. Send in whatever objections you might have. Or maybe even a verse of Scripture that you think maybe contradicts that teaching. And I want want us to try to deal with that. I want to nail that down for you. I want to show you from the Scriptures what the truth is about that. And so we're going to talk about that a little bit this morning. But before we do, I have a joke that someone sent me that I thought was hilarious. So I hope you all will appreciate this one. But here it goes. What a strange looking cow, exclaimed the gal from the city. Why, she doesn't have any horns. Well, replied the farmer, some cows are born without horns. Others shed theirs. And some we remove. There are lots of reasons for cows with no horns. The reason that cow doesn't have any horns is it's because she's a horse. Oh, come on. I, I thought that was hilarious. Well, you know, I've said it before. I do have that gift of being able to take the funniest joke and make it not funny. But I'm doing my best, folks. I, I hope you all thought that was funny. I just Maybe you all don't appreciate a good joke, but I thought that was good. But anyway, let's go ahead and go to the Scriptures now. We're going to talk about this subject of eternal life and eternal security. 
I believe this is so important. I believe this is a very important subject. And you know, the Bible says one of the most famous passages in all the Bible, John 3.16, we'll go one verse before that in John 3.15, it says that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have eternal life. And then John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he, begave, that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Now, before we get into a lot of other scriptures, I want to use just the common sense approach to explaining eternal security. First of all, the Bible says when we believe in Christ, we're saved. And it also teaches that when we get saved, we have eternal life. Jesus said, I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish. So, if you're saved, most people believe you have eternal life. However, many people believe that, that you can lose it. And the truth is, if you lost it, then you never really had eternal life, did you? When Jesus said, I give unto them eternal life, well, they might perish if they don't hang on to it. No, he said, I give unto them eternal life and they shall never perish. Someone who is saved is never going to die spiritually and go to hell. They can't. They are going to live forever. They have eternal life. And for someone to say, I have eternal life, but then later to say, I lost it, well, then you obviously never had it. And I know that upsets a lot of folks, but I think that's just common sense right there. But I don't want to use common sense because I want to use Scripture, what the Bible says. Because the truth is, when it comes to things like grace, we can't fully comprehend it. We can't fully understand it. And it's just something that, that's why we sing songs like Amazing Grace. How do you explain something as wonderful as grace? How can we fully comprehend something and someone as great as God? We can't do that. But uh, this idea of eternal security, you're going to see it is something that's taught throughout the Scriptures. And there's a reason that many religions do not believe in eternal security. And it's simply this. It's because their plan of salvation is based on works. It is a works-based works salvation. And listen, the Lord has just really given me a burden recently for religious people. I'm telling you, you know, our society today still in America, especially I think in this area, in the Sterling Rock Falls area, uh, I think for the most part, we still have a large population that's very religious. But at the same time, I don't believe there's as big of a population of saved people. Because, you know, I, I talk to a lot of people. Uh, you know, we go out knocking doors, inviting people to church and trying to give the gospel. And you talk to many people, they are convinced they're saved, but then if you start talking to them about their salvation, it's very clear they don't have a very good concept of what salvation is. They don't understand it at all, but they're very religious. And you try to convince a religious person that they're not saved, and boy, you've got your work cut out for you. That is not an easy thing to do. And you know this problem is not a new problem. This is a problem that Jesus Christ faced. It's a problem the apostles faced. Trying to get a religious person saved is one of the most difficult things in the world. I'm telling you, it's easier to get the drunkard. It's easier to get, you know, the, you know, that person that just knows they're bad. It's easier to win someone that's in prison than trying to win somebody who goes to church every week 
And I'm telling you here today that I believe that there are many people that are on their way to hell that are sitting in churches and it's because they do not know the truth and they are making the same mistake that religious people made back in Jesus' days. And their way of salvation, the reason they believe they're going to heaven, is completely work, works-based. And I want to read several scriptures to you this morning. But Matthew 19, verse 16 says, And behold, one came unto him, came and said unto him, Good master, what good thing shall I do that I may have eternal life? That question is very similar to what most people are asking today. If you, you ask them, what do you have to do to go to heaven? They want to talk about their good works. If you ask them, hey, if you died today, do you know if you would go to heaven? They want to tell you about their good works. And this man, hey, what good thing shall I do? And you're going to see that this is a loaded question here, I believe. Verse 17, he said unto him, why callest thou me good? Now, was that man wrong when he called Christ good? No, he wasn't wrong. He was absolutely right. But Jesus asked him a question. He's trying to teach him something. He says, there is none good but one. That is God. All right, so right here, he's trying to tell him, hey, there is no man that's good. But at the same time, Jesus Christ, he was God. And that's why that man was right. But he's trying to show him, there's none righteous, no, not one. The only one that's good is God Almighty, is Jesus Christ. And he says, but uh, there's none good but one, that is God. But if thou wilt enter into life... Keep the commandments. Folks, I believe you could get to heaven if from the day you were born till the day you died, you kept every single one of the commandments. But can I tell you, folks, no one has. You blew it the day you were born because you were born in sin. You started out a sinner right from the beginning. And so it's basically, it's it's impossible. All right, It's not going to happen. But verse 18, he saith unto him, which Jesus said, Thou shalt do no murder, thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness, honor thy father and thy mother, and thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. The young man saith unto him, All these things have I kept from my youth up. What lack I yet? Can you, right there, folks, you see this was a pretty good guy. Most people out there cannot say I have followed all of those things. But this one says from my youth up. So what lack I? Jesus said unto him, If thou wilt be perfect, go and sell that thou hast, and give to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven, and come and follow me. But when the young man heard that saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. And you might ask, why did Jesus tell him to sell everything he has? And listen, Jesus didn't care about this man's possessions. He told him this, because he was trying to show him that he had broken a commandment and it was one that Jesus did not name and that is, thou shalt have no other gods before me. That he didn't tell him the great commandment, thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind, with all thy strength. Jesus basically had just told this man in a roundabout way that he was God. And he tells him, go sell what you have and follow me. And the man didn't do it. You know why? Because this guy, as good as he thought he was, he had broken the greatest commandment, and that is to love the Lord God. 
and he went away sorrowful, once again breaking that commandment. Jesus was trying to show this man that he was a sinner, and unfortunately, he didn't get it. While he hadn't murdered anybody, he'd broken a greater commandment. He didn't love the Lord God with all his heart, soul, mind, and strength. And so understand, folks, that this mentality of doing a good thing, it is not a new thing. Uh, it's been going on since the time of Christ, and it is still going on today. People think I've got to do some good thing. I've got to, you know, go to church. I got to get baptized. I got to speak in tongues or something. And that has nothing to do with it. But yet, man always wants to put the works of the law in place of faith that we'll see. But Titus 3, 4 says, but after that, the kindness and love of God our Savior toward man appeared, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to His mercy He saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost, which He shed on us abundantly through Jesus Christ our Savior, that being justified by His grace, we should be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. Y'all see, it's not by works. Boy, I wish I could get that across to people. I wish I could explain to them how important it is that they understand that our salvation, it is based on the works of Jesus Christ. The works that He did on the cross, not on our works. And then that brings up, I want to bring up a big objection that everybody has. The big question that comes up when you start talking about eternal security and that is this idea of, so you believe that a person can go and get saved and then go out and kill 50 people or live however they want and still go to heaven. That's what everybody wants to bring up. That's what everybody wants you to answer. And the truth is, listen, I can't fully understand everything that there is. I can't understand someone's heart. But one thing I can tell you is salvation is not in any way, shape, or form based off our works. It's based off the works of Jesus Christ. People will tell you, well, you got to turn from your sins to get saved. And then, but then the question comes up, well, which sins? Because I don't know about you, but since I've gotten saved, I still sin. So which ones? Is it just the big ones? Once again, are we basing this off works or is it just basically turning from the sin of unbelief? That's why the Bible so many times says, Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. You know, and But yet many people, they want to bring up all these things. So, you know, how good do I have to be to prove that I'm saved? The Bible says, that our justification, the proof that we're saved, it's not in our works, but it's in the blood of Jesus Christ. He's the proof that we're saved. He is what keeps us saved. The Bible says that we are sealed by the Holy Spirit until the day of redemption. We are not sealed by our good works after we're saved. And while you can come up with all the scenarios you want to, the truth is, the Bible says, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. And I understand there's a package deal there. Believing in Christ is more than just saying, I believe. It's more than just saying a prayer. The Bible says, you know, he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a reward of them that diligently seek him. You know, you must admit that you're a sinner. Otherwise, why did, you know, what's believing in Christ all about? 
I mean, Jesus Christ, believing in him, you've got to believe that he died for your sins. Well, if you don't think your sins are any big deal, then why did Jesus die? Obviously, you don't believe it's that big of a deal. You don't believe in what he did for you when he paid for your sins on the cross. You know, you must believe that he rose again. We see that in the Bible. We got to understand that when Jesus died, not only was he conquering our sins and paying for our sins, but he conquered death. Okay, death is a result of sin, and Jesus conquered that for us, and that's why one of these days we will be resurrected with him. And you know, so believing on Christ, it's more than just saying, Okay, I believe. I mean you've gotta you've gotta understand you're a sinner, you've got to believe that Jesus Christ is the Savior, and you've got to call on him for salvation. Okay? And someone who says, I called on God for salvation from my sins, but doesn't think their sins are a big deal and thinks it's okay to just go do whatever, I wonder if that person really believes. And that really is another subject, but people like to come up with these scenarios to try to just disprove what the Bible says. They just cannot imagine their works not coming into play somewhere. But the Bible says, For by grace are you saved through faith. It is not of yourselves, it is a gift of God not of works, lest any man should boast. And here's the truth. Religious people struggle with believing the most. 1 Corinthians 1.18 says, For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but unto us which are saved it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and will bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this world? Hath not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? Once again, whenever you bring up these scenarios, you're trying to bring up the wisdom of the world. We can't understand the mind of God. Okay, And the wisdom of this world is nothing. Verse 21, For after that, in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. The gospel message is so simple. Most people look at it and they listen to it and they scoff. And they say, you know, there's no way. And then that's when they start coming up with all those scenarios. You know why? It's foolishness to them. They don't understand it. But the Bible says, you know, it pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believed. I mean, right there, he's that's what God wanted to use. God didn't. But, you know, the Bible says it right in the next verse. For the Jews require a sign. Some people want a sign. Many religious people today depend on signs to prove their salvation, like the so-called gift of tongues. And the Bible says, And the Greeks seek after wisdom. Many religions, they want to talk about how smart they are and how intellectual they are and how they've figured out all these things. And, you know, they reach salvation because, you know, they've done these sacraments or they've done these good works of the law and, They've made salvation make sense. But the Bible says that's what the Greeks seek after. But you know what? They didn't get it. Verse 23, But we preach Christ crucified. Under the Jews a stumbling block, and under the Greeks foolishness. But unto them which are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God, because the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. For ye see your calling, brethren, how that not many wise men after the flesh... Not many mighty, not many noble are called, but God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise, and God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty, 
and the base things of the world, and the things which are despised hath God chosen, yea, and things which are not, to bring to naught things that are, that no flesh should glory in His presence. Nobody can boast about their salvation. And many people today, they that's exactly what they're doing. That's why they can't accept this teaching of you know believing on Christ and you know someone who maybe is not religious, someone who's not a very good person getting saved. They don't like the idea of that somebody getting saved on their deathbed, and they especially don't like the idea of somebody being saved who's never really done anything for God. They can't imagine maybe some person, maybe as a little child, they rode to church on a bus and they heard the gospel message and they got saved, but then they went and they lived the rest of their life. They never went to church, never really did anything good for God. And they cannot stand the thought of that person going to heaven before them. They can't stand the thought of a murderer going to heaven before them. But listen, you're not the first one to think that way. Religious people... Have, they cannot imagine that they could possibly possibly be wrong. For example, the Jewish people in Romans eleven seven said, "What then? Israel hath not obtained that which he seeketh for, but the election hath obtained it, and the rest were blinded." I listened uh, to an interview with a Jewish person, and he said that Jesus Christ could not, or Jesus could not have been the Messiah simply because the Jews didn't accept him. And they were the ones that were looking for the Messiah. And can I say that that's true? They were the ones looking for the Messiah, but they didn't accept him. John 1 says, Jesus came into his own, and his own received him not. But to as many as received him, to them gave you power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. And Paul brought that up. You know, it was like a shock. Why didn't they get it? They were the ones looking for the Messiah. The Gentiles weren't looking for a Messiah. The Gentiles weren't looking to be cleansed from their sins, but the Jews were, and yet they missed it. How did this happen? Well, we might remember in Matthew, Jesus said this was going to happen when he was on earth. There was a centurion that came that had a servant that was sick. And this man, he had great faith, and Jesus marveled at his faith. He said, I have not found faith like this in Israel. And it says uh, in verse 11, after he said, I have not found so great faith, no, not in Israel said, And I say unto you that many shall come from the east and west and shall sit down with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the children of the kingdom shall be cast out into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And Jesus said unto the centurion, Go thy way, and as thou hast believed, so be it done unto thee. And his servant was healed in that selfsame hour. Jesus illustrated that, you know what, I came... For the children of the kingdom. I came for the seed of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. I came for them. But you know what? There's going to be many, and he's talking about in the end times, in the millennial kingdom, when Christ comes and rules and reigns, and Abraham and Isaac and Jacob are back on the earth, he said the children of the kingdom were going to be thrust out. Why? Because they didn't believe. But yet the Gentiles did believe it was prophesied in the Old Testament that was going to happen. And we see throughout the New Testament how it did happen, how they rejected their Messiah. And a group that wasn't even looking for the Messiah ends up believing. The group that wasn't even looking for cleansing from their sins ends up getting saved. And today, people still cannot imagine someone who is not as religious as them going to heaven 
and them not. Romans 9.30 says, What shall we say then, that, that the Gentiles, which followed not after righteousness, hath a, have obtained have attained to righteousness, even the righteous, righteousness which is of faith? But Israel, which followed after the law of righteousness, hath not obtained attained to the law of righteousness. Wherefore, because they sought it not by faith, but as at it, but as it were by the works of the law, for they stumbled at that stumbling stone, as it is written, Behold, I lay in Zion a stumbling stone and rock of offense, and whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. And let me tell you, Jesus Christ is a rock of offense to many people. The plan of salvation, it is so simple, and religious people especially, they cannot imagine after all these years of them trying to be good, after all these years of them doing the works of the law, they cannot handle the idea of someone who's not as good, in quotations, as they are receiving salvation and not them. They cannot imagine them as someone who's never killed anybody, who's never been in jail or anything like that. They cannot imagine someone who hasn't gone to church all their life who maybe has done a lot of bad sins, they cannot imagine them going to heaven before them and they fall at that rock of offense. And you ask, why would God save someone who hasn't tried to be good before someone who's done their best living their life trying to be good? And the truth is, there's only one way to please God and that is by faith. You see, while that person maybe has been living their whole life trying to do good, well, our righteousness is as a filthy rag. They've still fallen short. But those who will have faith and those who will believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and put their faith and trust in Him, Jesus Christ will save them. And everyone today that wants to tell you you can lose your salvation, they believe that because they have based their salvation in some way, shape, or form on works. And it is not by the works of the law. By the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. And it didn't say saved. It says justified. You can't even prove you're saved by the works of the law. The proof in our salvation is in the blood of Jesus Christ. Anytime I tell someone I'm saved today, I don't point at what I've done. I point at what Jesus Christ did. And when if you think someone's not saved, the last thing you want to do is point at what they've done. It is not by our works. And you know what? You can only understand that. You can only accept that by faith. By faith is the only way you can understand that. We are saved by grace through faith. I don't get it all. I don't understand it all. But I'm just going to choose to put my faith and trust in what God's Word says. And if you do that, He will save your soul. And I hope this has been a help to you today.